It's the CXM Experience. And as always, I am Brad Kahn, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And today I'm kind of excited about this particular episode, actually. I wanted to do it for a while and uh, I don't know why I didn't do it. Um, you know, it's had, we've had a lot of cool stuff going on, so we've been, we've been busy. But today I want to talk about one of my favorite people in the whole world, Carlos Dominguez. I don't know if Carlos actually listens to this podcast, so it's highly likely that he won't ever actually hear this. So I'm going to say all sorts of mushy things about him that would be extremely embarrassing to him. And don't even say, if you, if you know Carlos, don't say you do not tell him that you heard this pod. Do not tell him. Please do not tell him that you heard this podcast. Okay. Deal? Cone of silence. Okay. So Carlos is a chairman at uh, Sprinkler, a 20-year employee of Cisco, and a very good friend of mine. Uh, if it wasn't for Carlos, I would not have ended up at Sprinkler. I would have ended up at another very interesting, highly respected tech company doing very interesting, highly respected, cool things. But uh, he um, coaxed me into Sprinkler, along with John Chambers and a, a cast of hundreds. So let me talk a little bit about Carlos, just just as a person for a second. And then what I want to do is I want to talk about his book, his unpublished book, and uh, a philosophy that he has called Technowism, which I think is a super cool philosophy. And I think the fact that this is not published as a book is, um, well, it's, it's, it's definitely a loss for all of us. It may be criminal. But, you know, we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> so, so Carlos was actually born of Cuban immigrants. Um, his father was uh, the minister of tourism in Cuba under Batista. And then when the uh, Batista government was overthrown by Castro, had to flee the country and never really um, was able to recover and never became a, you know, a minister again, obviously. And scraped out uh, living in New Jersey and had, you know, a son named Carlos, who at some point managed to get a job at Cisco. I uh, got to Cisco, spent 20 years there, built multi-billion dollar businesses when he was at Cisco. Ultimately ended up as a futurist uh, representing the office of John Chambers. And he's a close confidant of John Chambers. And has spent a lot of time with John. And John is, of course, one of our country's most respected business leaders. Uh, one of our most respected CEOs. At one time was running the largest uh, corporation in the world. Pretty amazing. And uh, I have had the, the pleasure and honor of getting to know John uh, in his participation in Sprinkler. Because he's on Sprinkler's board. And he's an important investor in Sprinkler. It's been a... Uh, really great experience uh, since we are on the CXM experience. It's been a great experience getting to know John and understanding the way that he runs his life. Um, by the way, if you want a really great read, John Chambers has a fantastic book called Connecting the Dots. He has some great analogies in there. I, I, I wish he called the book something different. I know what he's doing with connecting the dots. Like he's basically talking about how he, you know, connects different things and synthesizes ideas into a common 
platform, you know, you know, kudos, like I'm, I'm all behind that. Uh, but there's this fantastic story he has at the very beginning of the book where he falls into a stream uh, while fishing uh, in um, West Virginia. And his father screams at him from the shore, hold on to the rod, the fishing rod, hold on to the rod, hold on to the rod, hold on to the rod. And the whole time he's thinking like, what's he doing? Like, why does he want me to hold on to the rod? Like, doesn't he care about me? Like I'm you know, basically being swept down a rapids. And uh, all I'm doing is holding on to this, this damn rod because he doesn't want to spend five bucks to buy a new rod. Like that was kind of what's going through his head. Uh, of course, what his father was doing was getting him to focus, right? Focus on something and not panic. Uh, and by not panicking and by focusing and by holding on to the rod, uh, he was able to successfully navigate and survive those rapids, uh, which someone else a few years later did not. So they were deadly. And, uh, and he owes his father a great debt for that gift. And I think the book should have been called Hold On to the Rod. Just if John, if you're listening to this, to just, you know, come for whatever it's worth. If you uh, have a second edition, I would, I would rename the book. Anyway, so Carlos, let's come back to Carlos. So Carlos, very heavily involved with John, with, with Cisco, and has, uh, was a great part of my experience with Sprinkler when I was at Microsoft. And, uh, and Carlos and I had many adventures. I was a big customer for Sprinkler. Sprinkler did a lot of really good things for us. And what we often got into situations where Sprinkler needed help from us. And so I would uh, gently and very lovingly uh, hold them hostage uh, by making them develop custom pieces of functionality that I needed in order for me to, you know, re-up on certain contract <laughs> provisions. So it was an amazing relationship because, you know, I was able to get like incredible levels of functionality uh, from Sprinkler and, you know, I was able to help them get through some of their, their business rhythms. So, so here's the secret. So, I mean, I don't even know if Carlos would want me even talking about this. Uh, but again, since Carlos probably doesn't listen to this podcast, I, I'm going to say whatever I kind of want about him. First of all, you know, here's the mushy part. So Carlos brought me to Sprinkler. Carlos and I have had a relationship now stretching back probably, um, oh, probably six or seven years now, I guess. Um, and very sort of very deeply for probably about five years. Uh, and I, I would argue that in the grand scheme of all the people that have had an impact on my life, there's like a non-zero chance that Carlos may have had a bigger impact on my life than any other single person. It's like, this is a tight one in a way. Like, you know, Peter Newpert, he's way up there. Like Peter, he had a potentially slightly bigger impact on my life, but for a pretty like, big impact because he, he brought me to the U.S. And he brought me to Microsoft. Sean Nolan, you know, Sean was the one who really advocated for me. I'm a super like total weirdsmobile. And, and Sean's the one who like, we need a weirdsmobile. <laughs> so <laughs> in I rolled. Uh, so Sean had a huge, huge impact on my life. And I owe a great debt to him. But boy, within that group, you know, Carlos is right up there. Because uh, Carlos got me to New York, he got me to Sprinkler, uh, and I wouldn't be potentially alive today if it wasn't for Carlos. And uh, certainly, I would not be um, in the personal situation I am in, which is great. 
Um, I have this amazing uh, girlfriend who I met in New York named Rachel, who I would never have met if it wasn't for Carlos. And um, I don't even want to think what my life would have been like if I hadn't gone to Sprinkler. So Carlos, I love you. And, and thank you for everything you've done for me. Again, he probably doesn't listen to this. So like, this is just like between us right now. So, you know, like we're just like, we're just enjoying the fact that if Carlos was listening to this, he'd be extremely uncomfortable right now. So now I want to talk a little bit about something Carlos wrote. And I, you don't see this very often. So Carlos wrote a book. And he wrote like an entire book. And he never published it. So it sits in this like near perfect state of almost ready to be published, but never quite got across the line. And, uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about this book because I think it's criminal, quite frankly. I'm ready to send the cops over to Carlos's house. Like this, this is an arrestable offense to write something that, that's this good and this powerful and to not let the public read it and not let the public have it. I think it's. Um, a crime. So, so let me talk a little bit about this book. So he's, he's got this, the book is, I'm not going to go into the title of it because I'm not sure the title is very good, but he has a philosophy and, and this philosophy is called technoism. And you have not heard of that before because he never published this book, but technoism is, is, it's not, you know, it's not a cult. It's not a, not the latest craze in club music. It's, it's not the rallying cry of robots. It's, it's a positive and practical 21st century philosophy that celebrates and embraces technology. Importantly, it's a mindset for embracing and adopting change. And boy, we need to do that. Technoism is a process with a set of daily practices, and it's applicable to both businesses and individuals, regardless of whether the top or the bottom of an organization. I think the, the important thing about technoism is that it's an insurance policy against becoming obsolete. And I, I, I'm a huge, a huge fan of this idea, right? So my dad does not listen to this podcast either. So I'm going to say something about my dad right now that he probably would not respond kindly to, but this is, I think an interesting observation. So, so my, my father was, I think a very innovative person for many years of his life, particularly when he was working uh, in the advertising agency business in the 60s and 70s in New York on Madison Avenue. He did some very cool things. For example, uh, my dad invented the angled broom for Cedarow in uh, Drackett uh, Industries. And uh, I remember him, I actually remember sitting in the garage watching him saw a broom at an angle and took it into a pitch to the client. So the angled broom invented by Charles Kahn. So, and many other things. He's a very cool guy. But he, he allowed himself to become obsolete. As computers came out, instead of embracing them, he was like, I remember him saying this to me. He said, I'll use a computer when I can talk to it. Now, of course, you can actually talk to a computer today. You know, Siri, Alexa. Google Home, but when you don't stay up to speed, when you don't stay up to date, it actually becomes very hard to adopt the next stage, and you eventually get to a point where you can't get there. You know, my favorite scene from uh, Star Trek, there's a, 
the, the voyage home, Star Trek um, three, the voyage home. Um, there's this great scene. Oh, is it four? Yeah, four. The voyage home where Scotty picks up a mouse in a like late nineties computer or late eighties computer, I think. And he goes, um, computer. And he expects it to be like, you know, voice activated, right. Which is what we're getting used to to now. And I think that, you know, if you, if you allow yourself to become too far behind, it's hard to adopt to the next level. And so I watched my father essentially become obsolete because he didn't want to stay up to date. And what I love about technoism and what Collis is um, sort of advocating is that the mantra is leverage the present and prepare for the future. And so when we think about leverage the present, there, there are incredible technologies and tools in the world, which we may or may not be aware of, but for every challenge that you and your company face, a solution is probably out there. So from any unexpected place, disruptions can come unless you stay current on the latest trends and shifts. And there's a, there's a lag, right? So there's a, a lag often occurs between the general adoption of value-adding applications and in the opportunity is to leverage the present to shorten the distance between the tools you need and the tools you're using to keep you a step ahead of the other person. And then the trick is to scan what's available, commit to experimentation, and to learn from those experiments to adopt or drop what you've tried. It's a continuous process of change and change management. And it takes a fair amount of effort. But I do believe that this idea of you know con constructive destruction and constant change and constant searching and being comfortable with failure and being comfortable with things not working is a really important part of how to stay current um, and how to continue to prepare for the future. So, you know, essentially you're adopting a practice of constantly learning the latest and best tools out there. It separates you from the crowd. And as an executive, you'll spot trends that can revolutionize your business. And as an individual, you stay current and you become a change agent inside your company. And most importantly, as a leader, you can create high-performance teams. You know, I'm a big believer in creating learning cultures and high-performance teams by forcing people to think about new ideas, new trends, new ways of doing things. It keeps people sharp. It keeps people interested. So I'll kind of, Carlos, you've got to publish this book, okay? So, you know, he basically talks about applying technoism uh, in sort of a few steps. So the first step is to create awareness, to see the world that we live in today, pick your head up and like check out the new tools and trends, and then uh, look at the five forces that are changing the world. I'm not going to go into it right now because hopefully he'll, he'll actually publish it and then make a decision, right? The decision is I want to make sure that I don't become obsolete. You know, don't, don't do what my dad did and say, Hey, I'll wait until it's all perfect. Be committed to constantly evolving, changing, and staying current. We have millennia of proof that change is the key to evolution. Survival of the fittest is that not, there's nothing permanent except change. And you've got to continuously embrace that. Do people like change? No. You know, the CDC has this amazing study that uh, when faced with certain death, unless they change their eating and exercise habits, 80% of people will choose certain death. 
which is amazing, right? So you will die if you don't change your habits. I'm going to go choose die. I'll choose die. Uh, people hate change, right? So uh, how can you want change? And then how can you want as much change as you can handle? How do you create adaptability in your own personality? And how do you really embrace it? And so, you know, the, the sort of the five-step process that Carlos outlines is scout to look for new things, experiment, try stuff, fail, you know, break it. It's all experimentation, uh, measure what, you know, how did it perform, learn from what you've measured and then, then leverage that and take it to the next step. And then these, this kind of leads to five behaviors. And I'll talk about this probably more in, in other podcasts, but um, just to just kind of like, let me leave it with technoism. Great idea, great concept. Carlos has got to get this out there. Um, I'm going to basically start talking about technoism probably every week or so until I basically have talked about the entire book. And Carlos will be left with no choice but to actually publish the damn thing. <laughs> And for the CXN experience, I'm Greg Kahn, and I will see you in the future and next time.